from Gimlet. You're listening to Start Up, the podcast about what it's really like to start a business. I'm Alex Bloomberg. And I'm Lisa Chow. And we're going to start the show here. So, hi. Hi. <laughs> Nervous? Like you wouldn't believe. In a meeting with the founders we're following this season, Lauren and Emma and a business coach. A guy named Jerry Colonna. Some call him the CEO whisperer. Although, if you ask me, that's not the best metaphor. Really, he's more like a couples counselor. And just as a warning, there's some explicit language here. What's the fear? Um, it's just very scary this is recorded. Mm-hmm. I want to be clear. In, in the work I do with entrepreneurs... Tears are actually a very common phenomenon. Generally speaking, people don't understand that when we pour ourselves into our work in the way being an entrepreneur demands, there's a kind of rawness that happens to us. A client once sent me a beautiful poster that said, stress is caused by giving a fuck. Being a business partner to somebody is obviously different than being a romantic partner, but it's every bit as intense. A couple of people tying their identities and their futures to each other and to a fledgling business. And the irony of being in conflict with your co-founder is that your number one ally is not available to you. The The one person, not boyfriends, not spouses, not family members, not producers and podcasts, not even your coach, knows as much about what you're going through as your co-founder. Today on the show, how Lauren and Emma got to a place where they needed a meeting with the CEO Whisperer and how to fix a relationship that you and only one other person really, truly understand. The conflicts that got Lauren and Emma in front of the CEO Whisperer really became acute back in January of 2015 when Lauren moved to New York City. Before then, Lauren and Emma had been running the company from two separate coasts. Lauren had been in San Francisco, concentrating on fundraising, and Emma had been in New York, running the matchmaking business. But Dating Ring was struggling, and so Lauren and Emma thought it would be better if they worked together. But remember, Lauren and Emma hadn't worked side by side in a really long time. Here's Emma. We have really different working styles, and... And different social dynamics. Yeah. I mean, I, what do you mean by that? Uh, and what are your different working styles? Well, like um, I work pretty well uh, from like ten to seven in the office at my desk, and I can be really productive. And then when I go home, I don't work. And Lauren does not work like that. You know, I get emails from her at one a.m. And I mean, I'm not working at one a.m. I'm just not. We were never getting along, but there were no blow-ups. There were little micro-incidents. Lauren would ask me a question, and I would say, like, yep, nope. You know, or I would, like, say, like, Lauren, what happened with this thing that we started doing? And she would give all these excuses for why it wasn't done, and I would be like, huh, I really think that should be a priority. Those would be the extent of our conversations. I was hanging out in the office one day, 
Emma and another matchmaker, Shirley, started talking about a client, a client I had met at a matchmaker meeting the night before. Emma told me she wanted to set him up with Shirley, but Shirley said she wasn't really interested. She thought he seemed boring, and he had this thing he did with his face. The more we talked and he was really engaging, I wouldn't have even paid attention to it. Right at this moment, Lauren, who had been overhearing our conversation, broke in. Sorry, are we, like, talking about people negatively and using their names? Because that makes me feel, like, really uncomfortable. Yes, I believe that's what we're doing. <laughs> okay, I just, like, that's, like, the main thing I want to not do is, like, insult any of our users. I do understand where Lauren is coming from. I was actually pretty surprised myself that Emma was talking about their customers in front of Lisa especially because the Dating Ring founders had this ground rule that they'd set up that they wouldn't do that while the microphones were running. Later, I asked Lauren about that exchange. It was a really awkward moment, and everyone sort of went quiet. No one said anything to me after. This was maybe the first rough spot where I was like, oh, like, Emma's not supporting me right now, and shit, this feels, like, really bad. And keep in mind, this is all at a time when the company was not doing well. There had been failures in fundraising. The relaunch wasn't going well. So there were a lot of little moments like this one. I wish I couldn't, but I can totally relate to this. Back when I worked at Planet Money, my co-founder, Adam Davidson, and I, we had this big blowout over which shareable calendar the office would use. I wanted to use Google Calendar. Adam wanted to use Outlook. And we started arguing about it one day in a staff meeting And then we noticed that the entire room had gone silent and was just staring at us. At the time, if you'd asked us what the fight was about, we would have said the calendar. But, of course, it was about other deeper issues. And to prove it, I submit this email, which Adam just sent me yesterday. So I'd written him saying, like, I might use the calendar story in this podcast. And I'd read him that paragraph that I just read right now. And I asked him, was he okay with that? And he wrote back, quote, I'm fine with that, but... I didn't want to use Outlook. I hated Outlook, all in caps. But NPR was on Outlook, and we didn't really have a choice. So it felt like you were living in a fantasy world where you have lots of choices, and I lived in the real world where I had to handle all the crap, including making your fantasies work. That's how it felt at the time, and still does. All caps. (laughs) Six exclamation points. (laughs) Uh, Wow. Yeah. See? (laughs) Deeper issues. For Lauren and Emma, one of those deeper issues went back all the way to the founding of their company when the two negotiated their equity split. They recorded this conversation, and we played a part of it in our first episode of the season. It's a test, a test, a test, a test, a test, a test. I just want this to be over with. This is the most stressed I've been. Lauren had used a bunch of online tools to arrive at the equity numbers for each of the three partners, over 50% for Lauren, a bit under 40% for Dating Ring's technical co-founder, Katie, who has since left the company, and a bit under 10% for Emma. We were talking about uh, putting you at 8%. Is that wildly out of line with what you were thinking? Um. No, it is not wildly out of line with what I was thinking. At the time, Emma was coming to this equity discussion with very little bargaining power. She didn't have any business experience or technical expertise. Instead, she had been working as a sex ed teacher in Harlem. But now, after two years in the business and countless late nights and weekends working, that initial split, less than 10%, was feeling less and less fair. As much as... Lauren said, like, I value you. You're my partner. It isn't 
technically true, right? I am not as valuable as she is. And I always know that. She always overrides me, right? Like, even if we both have opinions, hers is more valuable than mine, or like hers is the final say. Um, That feeling, if we had 50-50 equity, would be like, ugh, this is frustrating. Like, how are we going to work this out? But because I have so much less equity, it's like another nail in the coffin. Certain times when I wanted to confront Lauren, I thought she could fire me if she got really mad. Like she owns more of the company. She could fire me and I couldn't fire her. Like I don't have enough of the company to like to do that. And so me confronting her, like I'm putting my job on the line. The disparity in equity really got to Emma when Lauren had fallen into the trough of sorrow. She had basically checked out of the company for a while. And at the time, Emma was running the office in New York and trying to keep up daily operations. I was like, are you kidding? You have like three times as much of the company as I do and you're not doing anything? Like I'm running the whole company and you're just like sitting on all this equity? Like, oh my God, that was, there was so much resentment there because of the equity. I guess I guess I do want to know, I want to get a sense of like how much have you and Lauren talked about in terms of this... I mean, specifically, actually, the, the the power dynamic that I'm hearing here. What have you talked about? And what have you not talked about? We've never, ever, ever talked about equity, ever. <laughs> um, and I, I do hear myself and hear how absurd that sounds. So it's not lost on me. Why didn't you ever fight for more equity? Like knowing what you know now and how it's kind of affected the power dynamic. Um... I don't know. I don't know why. It it has never felt like a conversation that would end in my favor. And I think my fear is that it would further damage our relationship. But just because I'm a total coward really is the answer. Coming up, how do you say things to a partner you're afraid to say? You get a therapist to force you to say them. We'll see how it goes for Emma and Lauren after the break. Welcome back to Startup. I'm Alex Bloomberg. And I'm Lisa Chow. And all that sniping, eye-rolling, and tension we heard before the break, that eventually led to a blow-up. A blow-up that actually started with the moment we played at the beginning of the episode, when Lauren called out Emma in front of me for talking smack about a client. Lauren had sent a long email about that incident and many others to Emma the night after they'd had their exchange. And the next morning, they got on Skype. And that's where everything blew up. They didn't record the call, but they told us later there was shouting, there was crying, and at times there was wondering if this was maybe the end. Here's Emma. You were crying and you said... I just, I really wanted to run a company with you longer than two years. I really thought we were going to be doing this for longer. Um, and I'm really sad that we're not. And and I said, what? And you were like, well, I want to keep running the company with you. And I was like, really? And I said, yeah, do you not? It was really nice hearing her not have any doubt in in terms of wanting to work with me and... 
it seemed really important to move past our like personal grievances and and focus on on the company. But like a lot of fights, they still hadn't addressed the core issues. And this put us in a bit of a weird position. You know, we knew we wanted to do the story. We knew we wanted to play a certain tape, like that tape from Emma where she's talking about the equity issue. But it was going to be weird that she'd never told that to Lauren. That Lauren would hear about that for the first time on this podcast seemed just strange. So we knew we wanted to find a way for them to say that stuff to each other, and we knew we wanted it to happen in a way that was helpful. And so that's when we enlisted the help of Jerry Colonna, the CEO whisperer. Jerry's been helping founders say difficult things to each other for years. But before that, he had a different career. As a venture capitalist, he started a firm with the legendary investor, Fred Wilson, someone whose name anyone in the tech world knows. Later, he was a big shot at J.P. Morgan, but he stopped all of that for pretty dramatic reasons. In 2002, suffered uh, my second major bout of depression. Depression so bad that I would hide under my desk and pretend that I wasn't in the office. Jerry was 38 years old at the time. He left his job and decided to start over. He became a Buddhist, stocked up on tissues, and started his new career, counseling co-founders. Today, his office feels like a therapist's office. It's decorated with photos of Tibetan monks and furnished with a couch and sofa chairs. There's a noise machine to ensure privacy. Tears, bad breakups, miraculous recoveries, power struggles on title and equity, Jerry has seen it all. He told me about two founders who got into an argument during one of his coaching sessions. The fighting was so bad, and I literally said, shut the fuck up. Okay, I don't give a fuck about what's going on here. I'm out of here. If you two don't resolve this relationship, this company's going in the toilet and I'm out of here. This is five, ten minutes into the conversation. So, but what prompted that reaction in you? What was happening? The fighting was so intense that they were literally going to leap across the table and hit each other. Do you remember what they were fighting about? It's all about power. It's all about respect. It's all, it's really, you don't love me. I mean, literally, one guy said, you see? You see what he does to me? He does this all the time. So going into this meeting with Emma and Lauren, Jerry was ready. I asked you both to send me an email in advance, and you each identified or, or attempted to identify the core issue. What's going on? The session begins, and before long, they had found their way to one of the core issues. The thing Emma had brought up with me, but at that point, not Lauren. Equity. And at the time of this conversation, Lauren had given Emma more equity than she had originally. But Emma was still at half of what Lauren had. So, let's name the elephant in the room. You have how much equity? Uh, now I have 22%. Okay, and how much do you have? Uh, like 43 or something. Okay. How does that feel? Well, less important than she is. That's what it feels like. Jerry asks Lauren about this. Why is it important for her to have more equity than Emma? I had a really... Uh a lot of conflicts with my former co-founders and a lot of it would go back to equity and no one feeling happy with theirs. Um, and, um, and also there was no one in charge. 
And I think that made, it made decision-making impossible. And so I said, when I do my next company, I, I do want to have the final say. I want there to be like a CEO rather than three. Now, the answer to this is not going to be necessarily change the equity structure. I don't know what the answer is. I just want to make sure we know what the problem is. The problem is actually not the equity structure. The problem now are the feelings that occur because of the equity structure. Does that make sense? Yeah. And feelings, says Jerry, are hard to talk about. What you lack is the ability to actually speak to each other in ways that are generative and not destructive. Does that resonate? Yeah, absolutely. Right? So you get into a triggered state, and then you say something awful. Right? Lauren, when Lauren gets really scared, she disappears. Don't you? When Emma gets scared, what does Emma become? Mean. Right? Yeah. And that, guess what does that do to Lauren? It makes her withdraw more. Which then causes you to feel what? More angry. Okay. Jerry focuses on helping Emma and Lauren get past what they think they're fighting about to get to what's really upsetting them. What are you afraid is going to happen? Uh, that we will end up hating each other or, or not being... Don't bullshit me. What are you afraid is going to happen to you, Lauren? I'm afraid of running out of money. And then what will happen? Uh, I'll leave the company. And then what will happen? I'll be a miserable failure. And then what? You've been so public. Everybody's going to know. Emma, what's going to happen if the company fails? What's going to happen to Emma? Um, Everybody's going to know yeah, what? Everybody's going to know that... Say it. Be um, with it. <laughs> um... Yeah, that, that I'm a failure, that like, I said I could, I could do it and I, I knew it was not traditional and I said I could do it my way and I like asked everyone to have faith in me and they finally did and I like proved them all right. <laughs> you proved them all right, right that you were going to fail. Yes. Yeah. You know when you're all a bunch of entrepreneurs standing around in a party, you know what they say to each other? We're crushing it. How's it going? We're crushing it. We're killing it. It's great. The app works. We just got to get your term sheet. We know Kosla. He's like camped out in front of my office. Fred Wilson, he calls me every day. Have you been to the same parties? <laughs> I have been to those parties. I have been to those parties. Okay? It's bullshit. After their 90 minutes were up, I asked Lauren and Emma how they were feeling. Here's Lauren. I liked when you talked about us both having the same fear. Yeah, yeah, I think it's really helpful to have him strip everything down to, like, being afraid, you know? Because, like, I mean, we're not going to be, like, mad at each other for being afraid. That That's just not going to happen. And, like, it's so easy for, for things to get built up around the fear that, that are, like, because we're anxious people. Right, because we're really anxious people. 
but but yeah, it was really helpful to to have it stripped down to like us being afraid. That feels very, I mean, manageable probably isn't the right word because it's still really scary, but like that feels like something that we can like help each other with instead of like something that would, would pull us apart. A day after the session, I visited Jerry again. There were some things I wanted to follow up with him on, like this equity issue. He'd said in the meeting he didn't have an answer. But I was curious, what should co-founders do when one of them feels like they're not being valued? Talking it out didn't mean Emma was going to magically get more equity. So I asked Jerry, what was she supposed to do? Well, you tell me, what do you think the equities, what do you think the argument about equity is about? Because she said it yesterday. I mean... Remember the power dynamic yeah, conversation? Yeah. So what's it about? She doesn't feel valued. And it's about control. Right, right, right. See, if she were a 50-50 owner, she could tell Lauren what to do, right? So Emma may not be comfortable being the number two. Emma has to, like, look in the mirror and say, am I comfortable being the number two person? Lauren's been consistent from the beginning. I'm the CEO. She she set it up that way. That's Emma's choice. Can you settle for being second in command? That is a tough question for someone competitive enough to get into the startup business in the first place. It just shows that talking helps, but it doesn't fix everything. Because even if you're getting along with your co-founder, even if you're making that relationship the best it can be, it still doesn't guarantee that your company will survive. There are more choices to make, conversations to have, problems to deal with, the real work of building a company. That was still ahead of Lauren and Emma, something Lauren was reminded of looking at the company's bank account. I mean, by the end of January, we had $23,000 in the account, and we were spending still $30,000, $35,000 a month. We didn't have enough runway to keep going if we were going to keep losing money. So that's when panic started setting in again. We'll have scenes from an upcoming episode of Startup after this word from our sponsors. On the next episode of Startup, the Dating Ring team makes a big decision and asks themselves some very tough questions. I just don't know what to do. What do we do if we can't pay ourselves or employees or rent? I just don't know how long we're supposed to run this startup like a charity. That's on the next episode of Startup. This episode was reported, edited, and produced by Lisa Pollock and Caitlin Roberts. We also got editing help from Caitlin Kenny. The startup website, gimletmedia.com slash startup, was designed in partnership with Athletics. Mark Phillips wrote and performed our theme song. Build Buildings wrote and performed our special ad music. Rick Kwan mixed this episode, stepping in for the vacationing John Delore. Season two of Startup features brand new original music, which was written and performed by our very own John Delore, along with his bandmates, Jordan Scanella, Sam Merrick, Samu McGregor, John Ladeau, Dominic Falacaro, their band, I get to say this every week. You want to say it, Lisa? Hotmoms.gov. 
To subscribe to the podcast, go to iTunes and subscribe to Startup or check out the Gimlet Media website, gimletmedia.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Podcast Startup or me at Avex Lumberg or you, Lisa, at Lisa E. Chow. I'm Alex Bloomberg. And I'm Lisa Chow. See you on the next episode of Startup.